You're listening to Selfish the Podcast. This is the place where we make much ado about you. I'm your host, Allie Martin. Thanks for joining me. I love the story of compassion that Drew Ackerman shares. Through his struggles with insomnia, he developed a tool to help others fall asleep. And even though it can be tough to keep continuing to create that content, he is motivated that there are people in the world going through pain that he can help ease through his podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Drew. Thanks so much for having me on. So first, tell us about yourself. So my name is Drew Ackerman. I make a podcast called Sleep With Me, and it's a podcast to help grownups fall asleep, kind of like uh, bedtime stories. It's not so much adult in nature as it is just geared towards uh, adults that might be overthinking or dealing with other things that are keeping them awake. So you are the voice behind the podcast. So tell us more about the development of this. Where did the idea come from? How did it, how was it born? Sure. I think that might be interesting to your listeners because uh, it was born out of my childhood insomnia. <laughs> and when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I couldn't sleep. I was having a lot of issues at school from an undiagnosed learning issue. And the teachers saw me as kind of labeled me as a lazy, difficult student. And I would just have anxiety, constant anxiety at night about worrying about what was going to happen to me the next day at school. And so I couldn't sleep. And then I would have anxiety about being tired and not being able to sleep. And I never forgot, I shared a room with one of my siblings, but it still felt so lonely. And I never forgot like that anxiety and that desperation and that pain. But at the same time, I was telling my classmates about the issue. And it wasn't until I'd been not sleeping for like a year and a half on and off that one of my classmates was like, my older brother listens to this comedy radio show called the Dr. Demento show on Sunday nights. And he was like, you should check it out. Hmm. And I started listening to that and it never put me to sleep, but it made me laugh and it made me feel less alone. And it distracted me from my thoughts and my stress of not sleeping. And so I have, I guess those things sat, sat latent in my mind, the pain of not sleeping and the relief of the radio show. And then when I started listening to podcasts, I was like, Oh man, why isn't there like a bedtime story for pod ki- for kids or why are there bedtime stories for kids, but there's nothing for grownups right. and, and isn't podcasting a perfect opportunity. You can talk about anything. You can try out any ideas. And one step further was, I think I had this idea 10 years before I started the podcast and I kept putting it off and I was, uh, I had like a big self-critic who was like, no, 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 that's too embarrassing or no, it's not the right time. Mm -hmm. And I put off the podcast for years and eventually I got over that hump and I, uh, I started making it and, uh, slowly, I kept trying to refine the idea and and figure it out from there. I think that's so interesting. You say that because I went through the same exact process and the funny thing is somebody else that I've interviewed recently said, that thought would not be put into your head unless you were meant to do it. So huh. it's fascinating because, you know, we, we get these ideas and they're unique and they're creative, but you know, there is something in us, that self doubt that says, no, no, it's not right. Or that's silly. People are going to laugh at you. And you know, but really it's so successful. And I mean, 
I, that leads me to my next point of the fact that you have more than 600 episodes. So I'm guessing this works, but how, how does it work? Uh, yeah, well, I think like one of the things is variety that I think works is like a lot of the other sleep solutions out there that I found didn't work for me as a child or as an adult uh, were repetitive. Like it, they might work for one or two nights, but then after that, my brain knew what was going to happen next. And so if it was a nature noise, it knew when the crows were going to squawk or if the waterfall, it knew when the sound was going to loop. And so then I would start thinking again or being like, what's going to happen at work? Or what about when I, you know, spilled that uh, milk all over by the girl I had a crush on or whatever. Mm. And so then my brain would start racing and then I'd be like, oh, I can't fall asleep. And so I feel like the show is like every show is different and every show is also familiar. So it's like the idea that it's like, oh, this is just kind of a comforting thing I'm used to. But it's also has this layer of unpredictability and newness so your brain, I call them brain bots, which I use on the show. They're not going to activate and start pestering you and saying, hey, what about this? Or why aren't you worried about this? Or, or for some listeners, they might, be, they might not be an overthinker. They might have chronic pain issues or they might be dealing with something or they might just be traveling. Um, but I find it's like a mix of something different every time, something familiar, and then just the idea of bedtime stories uh, – kind of children get bedtime stories, but I think all of us kind of desire in some level uh, a nice bed story to carry us off to dreamland. Hmm. Well, so I have to ask, how is your sleep now? Uh, it, it, I, I still have sleep issues, and I think that keeps me relatable to the listener, and I, hmm. it makes me easier to empathize with them. I do put a lot of work into having a bedtime routine and trying to have some structure and, and trying to wind down. And, and that is pretty effective, like 80% effective, but mm-hmm. I also still am just wired, I think, uh, for, for a little bit of worrying. And, uh, I guess if I have a growth mindset about it, it's like, oh, okay, maybe at some point I'll get it down to like nine out of 10 nights I can fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's a, it's an issue in progress. So you've been featured on the New York times the New Yorker, BuzzFeed, Mental Floss, Dr. Oz, etc., etc. I think it's safe to say that you've made it. Did you know it was going to be so successful and resonate so well with others? I don't, you know, I, I like look back and I think like part of me, and I think you kind of touched on it, like some deeper, wiser part of me that I usually ignore and tune out didn't necessarily know that it was going to be successful, but knew that the idea at least had merit and needed to be explored. But, you know, the realist part of me and the critic part of me were like, no, 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 no. We need to be adults here. We need to, like, pay attention to adult things and not these childish (laughs) ideas. Um, But at some point, I actually had to, like, develop some softness and almost like a self-parenting and be like, hey, Maybe that is a good idea you have. Tell me more. What? It, how would you put adults to sleep with bedtime stories? And once I loosened up and I guess like leaned down and got on my knees, just like you'd be talking to a toddler, I was like, oh, wait a second. This this idea is scary. And it is scary to think about testing it out and putting it out in the world. But why? You might be right. Like, why isn't it out there? I think this is something people might like. And, and maybe if we try... Um, and take that risk, 
what's the failure that mm-hmm. uh, we were wrong? And I started weighing that of like, oh, what am I going to regret more? Not trying or uh, trying and and failing. And I was like, well, how, how do you fail was a strange idea of just testing it out. Exactly. Well, so I know it's not all roses. I know this was not an easy process, but so what's been the most difficult part of um, doing this show, launching? Where did you find the the sticking point? Yeah. So for me, it was like a, at two years, like some part of me again, that as I tried to negotiate with my critic and be like, how am I going to make this show and how am I going to keep going? I made a bargain with myself of like, okay, no matter what, I'm going to try to do this podcast for two years. Cause I don't have an audience mm. and everything I read says it takes two or three years to develop an audience. So maybe I'll just try to make this show for two years with no expectations of numbers or uh you know making any money or anything like that and just see if i can just keep doing it and keep making it better and that actually worked like i was able to black out and ignore you know that i was like letting my personal life slide while i was working on the podcast and staying up really late and all that and just keep going uh, but when I got to two years, I didn't have a plan after that. And <laughs> and other than like, oh, I'm going to keep going and keep going. Yeah. And then I started to freak out like that became a oh, point gosh. where I'm like, oh, I'm working 90 hours a week on this and my day job. And it, it I started to kind of um, maybe feel like sorry for myself and overwhelmed and worried about things out of my control. And that almost kind of ruined the show. Um, but I was able to like. I, I don't know. I guess I was able to slow down and be like, oh, wait, this worked in the past. Maybe we could find some other goals that are actually within our control to focus on instead of uh, certainty, which is, I guess, my default desire. It's like I want certainty, whether it's bad or good. Just I want to know how it's going to turn out and, and be under control. So what part what part made you keep going? What what did you love about it that fueled you to keep going past that two year mark? It was the stories of the listeners and being able to go back to that dark bedroom that I had been in and lying there in pain, tossing and turning, and then hear other people's stories from all of these different walks of life and know that while they were in a different circumstance, that that pain still connected us and that I was in this, I guess, a position that now I'm filled with gratitude to be in to be like, I can help that person. I can't Mm -hmm. go back in time and put myself to sleep but I'm helping this person that just lost a partner Mm. or is suffering from PTSD or has a condition where they're in constant pain or they're in the hospital. And, uh, I guess with that, I was like, huh, who, who am I to give up on this idea to just give in and, and want certainty when I I know what that feels like, what they're going through, even though I haven't been through that exact circumstance. Right. Well, I'm so glad you did keep going with it. Um, other than good sleep, what are your favorite ways to be selfish? Ooh, I think like going to the movies is one, like if I'm going to, uh, black out some time just for myself, uh, going to the movies is one where it's like, even if I go by myself, I can escape the world. I can almost escape my thoughts and, mm-hmm. uh, going on bike rides is another one. I love just riding around, uh, lackadaisically like a Sunday driver, and like a little kid, like going to the ice cream store or something. <laughs> Is there anything you wish you could be doing more? 
Uh, I mean, I guess like there's a lot of self-care routines that I, I, I wish I was doing more meditating and practicing more mindfulness because mm. I even during the day, I find myself jumping ahead or jumping to the past instead of staying in the moment. And yeah. not only is that better physically and mentally, but when you have a lot to do, it's like, OK, what is the next task I have to get done? Can I focus on that instead of worrying about all the stuff I'm not getting done? Um, so I think being in the moment is something that, I, I, I'll always be working on. I guess it's ironic because it's like I'm already thinking about well, can, <laughs> later. Can I be in the moment? Yeah, tomorrow I need to work on being in the moment. Uh huh. Right. So what's next for Drew? You know, I'd like to keep the podcast keep going, even though the podcast is successful. I think it still can keep being improved, and how I communicate with my listeners can keep improving. And I, I love the fact that the podcast has brought me closer to understanding what compassion and empathy are. And I don't feel like those are skills you ever really, at least I don't see myself mastering it anytime soon. Mm. So it's like understanding like, Oh, that I can just grow a tiny bit or get a little bit better at, at wondering how this other person's feeling or listening to their story and not trying to give them advice or, or just trying to be present for them. Um, for, I think success will go out of that. And then practicing the same thing for me. I think the real miracle for me of the podcast was the fact that I listened to that part, that kid part of me. I was like, Hey, let's just try this idea out and see how it goes. And most of the time I ignored it and it was like, no, no, no. And the moment I said, Hey, tell me more. Hey, I want to hear more about your bedtime story podcast idea. It unlocked all this opportunity and this opportunity to be a service to other people. So I'm really I'm really lucky that there was just that gap in my thinking and it just happened at the right time. I know. I'm so glad you went with your gut and you you went out there because it's it's such a simple concept, but something that we spend a third of our life doing. So, uh, you know, quality sleep, being able to fall asleep. I mean, I'm just so glad that you did it and, and please keep it up for all of our sakes. Yeah. And you should keep going because it too, because <laughs> it's like so hard. Like you're saying, it's like it it's hard I don't know, all of this and putting yourself out in the world and doing it consistently, it's very challenging. But I can say from all of the things that have happened with the podcast, it's the intangible lessons that it's brought me that have helped me grow the most and that I benefit from the most. And most of that comes from just like keeping going or changing things up when they need to, but say, okay. Uh, so yeah, you keep going too. Cause I think like we, the world needs more self-care and they need to know, hey, let's treat ourselves with compassion. And and I love the idea of like a positive form of selfishness and yes. taking the shame <laughs> away from it because it shouldn't be something people feel ashamed about of taking better care of themselves. Yes, exactly. I love it. We'll keep each other accountable. So thank you so much for talking with us today, Drew. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, too. You've been listening to Selfish. You can find show notes on SelfishThePodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend about Selfish and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.